0: This episode is brought to you by Chernobyl on HBO. The limited series was hailed by critics as powerful and haunting, truly excellent television, and as chilling as it is essential. 19 Emmy nominations, including outstanding limited series. Visit hbo.com FYC for more on Chernobyl. President Harry S. Truman once said, Men make history, and not the other way around. Well, on Derek Waters' long-running Comedy Central series, drunks make history, not the other way around. Through 74 episodes over the last six years, Waters has created one of the benchmark series for the Comedy Network, attracting not just burgeoning and established comedians on Jack Daniels and Chardonnay, but award-winning talent who reenact those fractured stories about some of the most intriguing parts of our past. This year, Drunk History is up for three primetime Emmy nominations, For Variety Series Editing, Outstanding Variety Sketch Show, and Waters Directing on the Season 6 Opener, Are You Afraid of the Drunk? That stars Evan Rachel Wood as Mary Shelley, as she shares with her friends her idea for a scary story that ultimately becomes Frankenstein. The episode stars Seth Rogen as Victor Frankenstein, Will Ferrell as the monster, Elijah Wood as Percy Shelley, Jack McBrayer as Lord Byron, and comedian Rich Fulcher as the show's snockered narrator. Here's our conversation with Waters on Crew Call. When you came out in the beginning, Mm -hmm. did things, was was it around 2000? I moved
1: here March 1st, 2000. Yep. And how was it, and tell me about getting into the scene. I didn't know what to do. I knew I wanted to be here, and I knew I wanted to be Chris Farley. That was really all I had, you know. So I was like, well... I remember going, I'm not going to drive so I can save money on gas. I, my brother and, uh, our friend Mike drove, drove me out in a Pontiac Grand Am. That was what we towed out here. And so I had this 96 GT Grand Am, I should add. And I, uh, would walk everywhere. And I remember my first or second week here, I walked to the comedy store and it was like an hour and a half walk. And I was just like, oh, this is just so cool, you know? And then I got there and, um they asked for my ID and they said, you have to be 21. And so I walked all the way back going like, this is so cool. (laughs) So, but I had no plan. My plan was to work at second city. I had studied second city in Toronto. Um, but I had not, um, I I, I, second city was just about to start in Los Angeles. So I was like, I'm going to take classes there and intern. And so I interned at improv Olympic and second city to pay for my classes and work at tower video. But, yeah.
0: And that's where you, you met Craig?
1: I met like, Cra- oh, uh, Craig. Oh, I- uh, Craig. Craig Anstead. I, I met. Is that you're talking about? Oh, Craig Kikowski. Kikowski. I met Craig at IO or Second City later in my time here. I didn't meet him at the beginning. I met him probably like three or four years in. Yeah. But, man, I don't, he's such a funny man. But, yeah, that's. So I was just working at those places, and then I did a play with uh, the late, great Jim Zulovic, and uh, Jenna Fisher was in that, and her manager was Naomi Odenkirk, and uh, i it was just a small little part in the play. I believe I pooped in my pants. I know I pooped in my pants. The character pooped in his pants. And uh, this woman comes up to me, and she said, I really... I liked what you did. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe people my pants? Yeah. No, and she's like, is there anything that you're doing like that you wrote that I can see something that you're doing on your own? I said, oh, yeah, me and my best friend are doing the show at Second City where we're basically trying to be like Bob and David. And I didn't know who she was. I just knew her as a nice person giving me a compliment. And she's like, oh, my husband's Bob Odenkirk, <laughs> which <laughs> blew my mind because my best friend, Craig Anstead, who I was writing with, uh, was living with Bob Odenkirk's uh, sister-in-law was off of Craigslist and we had just gotten their home phone number, Naomi and Bob's phone number, and have been prank calling like leaving Mr. Show songs and all these things. (laughs) And so it it was a really cool thing. So yeah, Naomi came to our show and she liked it and then she had me audition for Spin City and uh, I luckily got it. So that's when things started going, but they it took a really long time to get to hear of um you know I did a sitcom for a, a year which wasn't funny but it was a great experience and then after that I just it wasn't working at all and I started going to auditions that were like stone looking guy number seven drunk sounding guy number two and I was like I could be bitter about this or be proactive. So I just decided, like, I'll prove that I'm not just like that. So I started writing and shooting shorts with my friends and putting them up at Second City and just, like, kept realizing, I think I like creating more than acting, but I, w- I would like to do both, you know. So it kind of just kept happening like that. And then I was, you know, wanting to do stuff at UCB. So I, I it was in 2007 that I just thought, Man, everything is being judged on the line based off hits, not content, which that hasn't changed. But I was like, what if I made a show where people could show their shorts before they went online so there would be like a test audience, see if people actually are laughing out loud. And it also gave me a job to be like, oh, each month I got to make a short too. So that was where uh, Drunk History came from was like, oh, I, I just had to make a short that month. And I had an idea of somebody getting drunk, and it was basically a drunk history channel. Was the idea?
0: Was was it was, was the first one? It was about the de- was it about the death of Otis? It,
1: well, the first one that we shot was Michael Sarah's Alexander Hamilton, but uh, the story how I was inspired was from a story about Otis Redding told by Jake Johnson, and how he was trying to convince me that Otis Redding knew he was going to die on the plane. And he was doing all the voices. Like, you know, Otis looked at his wife, and he was like, baby, you take good care of yourself. I got to go. And he was like, I know, Otis, but you'll be back. And he's like, no, baby, I got to go. And it went all this back and forth, and I just kept picturing Otis and his wife just looking at me, like, shaking their head, like, this never happened. But I was like, well, maybe it did. What if I could do the same type of joke, but no when the narrator has messed up. So I thought, oh, what if it's history, if someone's drunken, drunk and talking about something that actually did happen? Now, did you ever shoot that Jake Johnson one? I think we did as a joke just because uh, I, there was a channel that wanted to know where drunk history came from, so we did like a a fake reenactment of it. Uh, but no, someday I'll get Jake drunk and he can tell that story again. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then all of this merged with,
0: with Funny or Die.
1: Well, actually, no. It was no? just me on YouTube, and I was just putting them on YouTube. And Funny or Die was putting them on their site, which I was like, this is great advertising. But I wasn't working with Funny or Die. I was just making them on my own, which you could say sounds like it was stolen. But here's a guy who didn't have any money. Like, they were taking – my project and putting it on their huge site, so more and more people kept like asking about it, and that's how like you know it became a show because they wanted more people wanted to do it, and then we did it for HBO, and that was uh, and that was that's where I thought was the peak. It was Will Ferrell and Don Cheadle and Zoe Deschanel and the story of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, and that won Best Short of 2010 at Sundance, which is cool until you're standing next to the woman that, like, spent 10 years in Cambodia, you know, making her short. And I put a wig on Will Ferrell.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I
1: thought that was the peak. I was like, that's it. And then I just kept trying to get stuff done, like all these shows that I've been trying to make, and they would go to script, and then nothing would happen. And so I was just like, I think that drunk history thing I gotta try it one more time um, so yeah I uh, just decided to make it a show
0: and then and then with Comedy Central what hooked them did they see the, the age did, was it soon after they, they had
1: seen all the online stuff and I think they just wanted to know um, you know what the big you know how you could maintain this because my thing as a comedy snob is like how will this not get old it's a drunk person talking about a story and then it's reenacted yeah, they were asking me what the through line of the show would be and I was really inspired by Stephen Fry does America where he drives across America. and he's a, It's a lot easier with his accent when people know that or think he doesn't know what he's talking about when he really does. But I was like, I want to do that. Or So the pilot was that I, at 30 years old, I realized I don't know anything about my country so I've rented a short bus and I'm going to drive across America to find out what happened. So then each episode would be about a city and it was a really great note comedy central said we like it we just think it should be everybody's journey and not your journey which is a really good note so yeah that was how it's uh, yeah the original was called drunk history across america
0: now what i love that you've done with this is everyone's come to play hmm. you've you 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 know it's a great place for you to launch burgeoning comedic you know, actors and actresses that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And also you've got you've got big people coming to play. You've got Winona Ryder. You've got Evan Rachel Wood. You've got Seth Rogen. How, as far as the stars go, hmm. how far, and I, I got to figure, you know, this being Hollywood, you'll book someone and then they fall out the last minute and then you got to scramble. But when you've got, like in the case of, you know, Who's Afraid of the Drunk? Um, Mary, you know, with Mary Sheldon's Frankenstein. How far in advance do you have to book? Do you usually have to book the, you know, like uh, Seth and Evan and and um,
1: and Will? Well, this is one of the things that's really cool to talk about for these celebrities because a) they're doing it for scale, and b) there's not too many times where they have more than a week advance before we shoot it because we have to know where our locations are and that takes a whole other you know conversation but so they usually it's like a week in advance sometimes the night before but that's I'm not going to do that to certain people you know what I mean like um, but yeah with Will Farrell and Evan Rachel Wood and Seth Rogen I I just I like to aim for the biggest you know and then work my way
0: and the other great thing is you, you when you get some of these, these heavyweight actors there's they're wonderfully stretching and playing against type. Like, who the hell knew that Evan Rachel Wood was so funny?
1: Exactly. Yes. And
0: and I mean and and then just the whole. I, I'm very familiar with Rich Fulcher, and we're gonna talk <laughs> about we're gonna we're gonna talk about him in a second. But Evan Rachel Wood doing <laughs> Rich Fulcher, yeah. that that's just like the best dream ever.
1: It's the best performance I've I've ever witnessed. <laughs> I love her so much, and I. I agree that I just don't think she's ever had an opportunity to show this really amazing bone in her body that she can do so well and it's like it's memorizing like I, when she rehearsed this she knew every single word she never looked at the script like it was it was it was um, it was the mo- it was the coolest thing i had ever seen and uh yeah i think yeah, it's, it's, I think people that like to do it can see it from afar going like that seems like a lot of fun to do. It's, it's, it's doing a silent film and like your lips are a part of your physical comedy. So I'm going to take
0: you through the entire production. Take us through the entire production process. I we'll thought get... you were. Well, you no. take me. Take me. <laughs> and, um, and we could use Mary Shelley's Frankenstein as an example here.
1: So, and it's Are you afraid of the drunk? I not Are you cry. afraid of the drunk? It's okay. It was a parody of Are you afraid of the dark?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: and so, um, you were thinking, of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, who's, right? afraid of dr- <laughs> 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 who's afraid of the drug? Who's afraid
0: of the Drunk, Virginia Woolf? <laughs> um, so, as far as as far as the narration goes, mm-hmm. do you write a script and then and then whoever you have narrate just kind of riffs off it and improvises. Like I know Rich improvises a oh, lot. Yeah.
1: And, and well, if- I never wanted to feel written, you know. And so they're given um, – we have a research team. So the research team puts together a research packet. And so they know all the facts. They know uh, – there's beats in there of, you know, just for safety that we have, you know, a beginning, middle, and end. Um, but I never want them to like. The only thing I ask for them to say word for word is the the name, of the persons and the uh, dates, because that has to be real. But all the other stuff, I want it to be theirs. And that also is the other goal. Is like, there's so many people. You and I know Rich truths, but there's a lot of people that don't. And like, that's my other goal of the show is, you know, showing people that there's other comedians out there that are really, really good.
0: The now your research department. Do you usually guide them? Like, are you kind of like, well, you know, we've never done Patty Hearst, mm-hmm. let's or or Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you throw them ideas, or are they out there? or, or you know? Do they know what, exactly what you're looking for? The most bizarre, the yeah. most bizarre stuff.
1: Yeah, there's some that you know. I'll say, you know, we need you know, tell me a story about, you know, Harriet Tubman that no one else has heard. You know, find a Dolly Parton story that no one's heard. Like, I like grabbing that, where you can grab somebody that everyone's familiar with, but finding a tale about them that no one knows about. That's, to me, the good stuff and what makes the show genuine. And, um, yeah, so I do my best of, like, the the easy, generic thing is I say, find me stories that you don't know how, we weren't taught in school. Like, that's the beginning thing. Like, don't tell me anything that we already know. Like, only find the stories that you're like, you knew this part, but you didn't know that part, you know? Those are the ones that excite me the most. This episode is brought to you by Chernobyl on HBO. The limited series
0: was hailed by critics as powerful and haunting, truly excellent television, and as chilling as it is essential. 19 Emmy nominations, including outstanding limited series. Visit hbo.com FYC for more on Chernobyl. And for an episode, yeah. how long, like, do you record all your narration up front? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say it's a summer, you can get it done In a week, probably. You could probably get it done in a week and a half. A week?
1: What are you talking about? A week.
0: Well, like, just the narration part. The
1: narration is the hardest. Really? And it's about 43 nights. (laughs) the,
0: The actual, so
1: Fulcher? That's one night. But there's like 43 stories in each season. So we do all the narration at once. So okay. Like we're about to start, and it's going to be all of September, October, and November. And okay. And then we edit that down, and then put those into scripts, and then start shooting. Right. But you were saying like we do rich, then we reenact it. But I get rid of all the narration, so I don't have to do right. that. Right.
0: And then and then to shoot, say an episode. Yeah. How long does that like for for Mary Shelley to do all of, you know, yeah. Evans, Evan, and Jacks.
1: Ma- Mary story. Shelley was a specific one was usually each story takes one day but this story is the whole episode so it was 3 days it was 2 days with Evan as Mary Shelley and then one day with Seth and Will okay um yeah so it was split up like that and then and then they on set is Evan fed in her ear Rich's voice It's playing on a loop It's on a big loudspeaker So while When I say action You're hearing The audio So they're just lip syncing Like a music video They're lip syncing To that audio And she doesn't say a word She's just she's Some say- actors do So uh, She doesn't But some actors like to I think Seth Rogen likes to say it out loud Like some people like to say it out loud um, Yeah Everyone does it differently It's <laughs>
0: Now, do you ever show them the video of the narration? Mm -hmm. Like, did she see Rich Mm -hmm. telling the story? Yeah,
1: I let them see both. And she's a great example of, like, she can emulate Rich and Mary Shelley, like, at the same time. Yeah, so they've seen the video, and they're hearing the audio. Like, they have an iPad on set so they can keep going back and forth and hearing it. It's so weird. (laughs) And then how is is your production design
0: department? Because, Mm. like I said— and I mean this, if if you know, you, you could go direct an episode of The Crown. You could go direct the next King speech. You've shown this.
1: I've decided to direct an Auto Trader commercial. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, but <laughs> that's very nice of you.
0: But, seri- but, but seriously, like so, like your production department, your production design department, are, do they know? I mean, do they go nuts? Like, is it like okay, we've got. Two days to put together yeah. 18th century... Uh... And also they
1: don't have that much money. You know, it's like... And and, and to me, as much as I eventually want to work with a production that has a good budget, for this show, it it has to look good, but it isn't 100%. It has to look like it tried as hard as it could to look good. But once it looks too good, then it's taking itself too seriously. There has to be little... Flaws. This one's hard though because I really want to make this one look as good as possible. But you're
0: great with colors. I yeah. mean, like, like in, um, like the the one where um, the, the she goes undercover at the Playboy Club. And, oh yeah,
1: Gloria Steinem. Uh,
0: yeah, Gloria Steinem and and Dolly Parton and and th- like the color, the way that you make the colors jump out, really, it just it makes it really rich.
1: Oh, that's awesome that you like that. Yeah, I think it's like. Man, this is like a little show, but we every every story we try to make it look like a movie, you know, like trying to make it look as good as possible, knowing that it's also funnier the better it looks because it's a drunk person making this kind of creation, you know.
0: So I was looking at how your seasons are split up mm-hmm. and you did 16 I think 16 episodes. Mm-hmm. It, are you does this take that's a lot. Like
1: Yeah, it took 82 weeks. Eighty-eighty-two working weeks, yeah.
0: So, how, so how do you, what do you have a break or do you? Do this you is break the and first year back? I
1: took a break. This year, going into the next year, I took two months off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you need a break. Yeah, no, because that's amazing. Because <laughs> I love it though. Like that's the thing is, like I just I have so much fun doing it. And I've been. You know, I moved here in 2000. I've been trying to do this for so long, so there's no part of me that's just like, oh, I gotta do this for like 82 weeks. No, I finally get to do this for 82 weeks. Like, it's pure, it's pure joy. You know, and this was the first year we shot on film. The all the stuff with Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen and the Frankenstein was on 35 millimeter, which is so cool. I never thought we'd be able to do that. It's great. Yeah
0: now did how did how did you find the um, this particular Mary Shelley story where she's this is interesting
1: because this will like if I go too long no no but so as again I'm a comedy snob and I was like all right, the show's going to it's sixth season we can't you just have to prove that you're evolving what is something we can do to evolve and last year the year prior to this I really enjoyed doing the drunk mystery because I was like oh that's We're doing drunk history, but we're also doing an unsolved mysteries parody, and we're like showing new worlds of different type of history. And I said, I would love to do something that's uh, on those lines, you know. And so we started pitching about old shows that we all liked, and Are You Afraid of the Dark came up. And originally, it was two stories, um, but Mary Shelley and Rich Fulcher combined is just great because i never thought of it in like a, oh cool that's so meta but the fact that it's rich telling us a story while mary shelley is telling a story at a party and then we would reenact that um and i did not know i i mean i that was the idea but i didn't have any anybody locked but when i was thinking that idea the only person was evan i said that would be if we got Evan, that would be the best. There was no thought of Will Ferrell at that time. I was just like, oh, it would be so great if Evan can do it, and then Evan could do it, and I was like, oh my gosh! All right, well, who would be, who would be the best monster, you know? And then it was Will Ferrell. And then, oh my God, who would be the best Frankenstein? Will with him? And I never—I also like pairing people that I've never seen. I had never seen Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen in anything and I love when I can go like that and then Elijah Wood I was like that he's wanted to do the show and I've always wanted to work with him and I was like oh let's have those two I've never seen Elijah Wood and Evan Rachel Wood together and Jack McBrayer's the <laughs> jack of all trades I love so much and so it just all, all it just kept building and even now like with it being nominated it's just like you know those things that you, you, whatever. If you pray or you don't pray, you you have signs. You know you have feelings that like, when my when my grandfather passed right before, I like made a little movie with him, and I was like, what is something not the secret to life, but what is a, what is something that can help people have a better life? And he said, you'll always know when you're doing something right. And you'll always know when you're doing something wrong. And I think that's the bottom line of anything. But for this, it just kept building of like. Oh, my God, wouldn't that be cool? Oh, my God, that happened. That's cool. Oh, my God, this is going to be cool. Oh, my God. And it just – it hasn't stopped, and I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful.
0: Off the top of your head, because I know – like, will Will's done – hasn't Will done it a few will times? Will did
1: one online as Abraham Lincoln, then he was Raul Dahl, and uh, and he was the monster. Yeah, and he's the producer of the show. Have Have you – among the serious actors mm-hmm. – uh, the non comedians, mm-hmm. comedic
0: uh, types, who who's come back? Do you know, Like oh, the
1: non comedic. Yeah, I mean, would you did say Winona Ryder? Winona Ryder, Win- is Winona is a Ryder did it a couple of times. I mean, I find her very funny, but she's done it a couple times. She did the pilot, and again, no diss on Comedy Central, but a praise on these people. They're all working for scale, and it's a. 12-hour day, like... Wow. To agree to something like this is like... It goes above and beyond, like... That it's a whole other level of being thankful for these people that want to come back. John Lithgow has done it a couple of times. Oh, wow. Back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was the... <laughs> I forget which episode it was that he did. Uh, well, the... F- and we were like, oh, we're trying to find someone to play George Washington next so week. I would love to do it. <laughs> I was so excited to meet him. And I was like, thank you so much for doing this. And I was like, when I was a kid, I, I have to admit I didn't like you because you punched Harry from Harry and the <laughs> Hendersons. And he put his arm around me and goes, I am so sorry. <laughs> that must have been so hard for you. <laughs> he is a sweet, sweet man. Um. Uh, what
0: of um, the well? The other thing I I, I don't want to ignore here is you have a core you have a core set of actors.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell ensemble. me about them. Yeah, we have like ensemble. Craig
0: yeah. uh, uh Maria both uh, Bals- and and I. Benny should, Arthur,
1: Mort Burke, J yeah. T Palmer. Yeah, um, we got Asha Davis. Yeah, so tell me about always, assembling them. I was and always thinking. You know, not in a Saturday night live way, but it's always great to have like your core crew, you know, a core ensemble. All and for a lot of reasons. Um one is because I think there are actor also Mike Coleman, there are actors that I love that um and Mort Burke, I think I said his name. That don't work uh as much as they should and I wanna give them jobs and also they're really good at it and so when somebody comes to the show that hasn't done it before they. I have them watch like oh and I, I try my best to put the first scene up where it's just the ensemble is in it so because when you see how people do it it kind of becomes easier so I always wanted them to start, set the bar of like and, and they're, they're so helpful for the guest stars and um and also any show I believe is better if you don't know what's going on you smile when you see a face that you know you know what I mean like and so having them there it's just it's uh, I think it adds to the heart of the show now how how long would you like to run with this (laughs) um I don't know I mean I I didn't think it would go past Michael Sarah, and Jake Johnson like I thought it was just a one time thing and I don't know I'm very excited to do new stuff you know and but I'm I'm, I, I kind of felt like Drunk History has been my spring training of of learning I've been able to direct you know I was only doing acting stuff before this but I've learned so much about directing so much about producing and about history I have learned a lot about history but drinking is a very big part of the show and I can't drink forever sorry mom Um, so uh, you know I think it could go on forever but I, I until you know, we keep finding stories, and that's what I think anything good has to – that has to be the foundation. And if the stories continue to, like, be moving, and um, then I think it should continue. Um, but when it just becomes, like, a show that's doing the same jokes over and over again, then it shouldn't happen.
0: And your golden hook is Bill Murray, right? He, yeah, and Bill Eddie
1: Vedder. Is- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean I, – Look, the, either would be amazing. And also yeah, I I it's also not like, oh, I haven't liked all the people we have. I've had the best people.
0: Have you tried to reach out to Bill Marie? Mm-hmm. Have you have you, I've left a message. You've left a yeah. message? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's okay. It's also one of those things I have met I did meet him at Sundance when we won. And he was like, Will you explain to me drunk history? And I was like, Holy shit, this is my opportunity, you know? And I explained it to him, and he goes, "It's too hard to play drunk." And I go, "No, no, no, you want to be playing drunk. I had the Socrates story I was trying to do at the time. I was like you you would be moving your lips to the drunk actor, and you would be Socrates and he patted me on the back, and he said, "Too confusing.
0: Oh gosh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And what about it? It is
1: confusing. Uh, I have gotten in touch with him, and I think someday. It'll happen. Why? He,
0: why Eddie Vedder? I get Bill. Well, it's my
1: favorite band, and like he's my favorite singer. Um, I don't know. It's like that thing of why we all start doing this. Like there's people in our lives where are like that's who I really looked up to. So to be able to say like, oh, maybe they would want to do some, you know, something that I'm doing. That's pretty cool.
0: Now I'm going to start pitching you musicians, you know, yeah. rock stars that should be on. Please. Like, did you ever see? Um, This – I saw this back in high school, and it was hysterical at the time, and it was at the peak of their fame. Yeah. Uh, David Byrne, uh, True Stories. Uh, No, I haven't. It was a Warner Brothers release. It was a fall release. It was like – True Stories was, I want want to say, their second-to-last album before they broke up. And uh, hysterical movie, very absurdist, very like he lives in the Eugene Ionesco world, oh, wow. you know, very, very absurdist. John Goodman was in the movie. Wow. And it was just kind of like, it was before the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. It's kind of like a mockumentary. He goes around America and he's, and he goes and he's poking, he's poking fun, but he's very funny and very deadpan. I got to see it. And, True um, stories, David um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I'm just saying, like for someone that could yeah. play deadpan and straight, and I love that. Whether did whether you was, see
1: Stephen Fry, did I, you ever see that one? I with didn't him going across America. The
0: one there was, um, there was another British guy,
1: Louis Thoreau. He's yes, Louis. I mean, Theroux. Louis Thoreau is the top of all. Yeah, tops. like yeah, that too. I really want to be like for the you know for the show and just like he, you know, he takes. Well, we might have to edit this out, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think he takes Michael Moore issues but doesn't attack. He will – you know what I mean? He doesn't, I like how he He's absorbs. not on the defense. He, he just is, like, asking honest questions. He so puts, how do you feel this way? He puts why himself
0: in the culture, though. Right, he, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. infiltrates yeah. it. It's yeah, the funny yeah, yeah. thing.
1: Exactly, yeah. And uh, I think the British accent helps, you know, because, like, when you're stupid, you think – <laughs> oh, I'm going to help this, like, British guy because he doesn't know anything. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's good. Now, I have
0: you you selected any topics or even stars for next season?
1: No, no. I just think about um, uh, finding the best stories first. I mean, I know – yeah, yeah. I'm just – we're just starting the research now. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's exciting to, like, think about it all starting again.
0: Um. Just a, just a couple more questions. Yeah, yeah. Um. So your research staff. Are there some comedians that are on the research staff? You know. Be, you know. They could find some. You know. They could find the sense of humor. Uh, well, and- the
1: head of the research is Greg Tugolescu, who's a producer for the show. He's funny, but I specifically said I don't want funny researchers because I don't want funny stories. I mm-hmm. really want stories that are good. And the premise will find the comedy you know what I yeah. mean like some stories like this year we did lawn chair larry i mean that's funny you remember lawn chair larry <laughs> <Tell> flew <us. laughs> his air, uh weather balloons uh up in the air and flew. we did a ripley's believe it or not episode but like that story has heart but i yeah i don't want too many funny stories cuz then it's just like you know i i think the comedy of the show is like we're the premise is funny cuz it's someone drunk but the stories we're trying to tell are like really important. And I think that as soon as we have to keep trying to make a history show and I think that will be funny.
0: Now what what about cuz this is this is an interesting this is an interesting thing. What about old Trump stories? Mm-hmm. Have you have you thought about that?
1: Have you Yeah, I did something for the Daily Show called Trump History. Um but there's something for me with our show that I like I like us doing political stories but not being a political show, if that makes sense. Right, right. And uh, I'm not saying this to avoid the question, but really to give the right answer is I can't tell a story that doesn't have an ending. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the fact right. that it's so fresh. And also I like to imagine someone coming home from work and wanting to forget about all the BS that's going on. And maybe the story is from, you know, a hundred years ago and might have some relevance now, but you're still finding like humor in it. I think all this stuff is so fresh for us that I I would prefer to have it over before I make like a story about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks. Anthony.